today we are recording our 40th episode of the Right Side of 40 podcast. Drum roll. Hooray! Hooray! So we've recorded, this will be a 40th episode we've recorded in a year, which is not bad for two people who a year ago did not know anything about recording podcasts. On the podcast, we have interviewed lots of women who have tried something new post 40. And in some ways, this episode today, where we're going to talk about how we made the podcast, is all about how we tried something new. We made a podcast. Originally, it was going to be a book, right? We were never going to do a podcast. That's right. We were you know, spent a long time talking about it, didn't we? And and then we were doing a lot of sort of research about how we could write a book together about our kind of experiences at work and sort of give advice to women like us because we spent a lot of time talking to each other. We just couldn't make it work, could we? And actually, over that time, a couple of people had said to us, this really should be a podcast. And we both went, no, 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 no. No, Literally, every time somebody said, you know, this would make a really good podcast. I was like, no, why on earth would I do a podcast? Yeah. And younger women in my office said, this should be a podcast. And you should always listen to the younger people. Yeah. And and it was really interesting because, you know, one of the things that I've definitely learned through this whole process, and we've talked about this a, a few times, is I definitely had imposter syndrome. You know, who am I to have a podcast? Who am I to give advice? What do I know? Well, if I was going to write a book, why would it be different on a podcast? But it's really more about like putting yourself out there, listening to your own voice, which is, you know, feels really strange. And getting feedback and having people hear you is really different to, you know, just putting in a book and it's it's somehow separate from you. Whereas when it's in our own voices and it's different and interviewing real people has been also really great because, you know, again, like there's there's sort of an element of like, who am I to interview people? I'm not a trained broadcaster, but you know what? We figured it out. I think when it comes, I mean, certainly on the imposter syndrome element, I didn't think anybody would be interested in what I had to say. It's funny, actually, because I was at a party. I don't know if I've told this story before, but a woman that I know we were talking sort of generally about projects and some posts that I put out on social media. And she said, oh, you should do more of this, Caroline. And I said, oh, I'm not sure if anyone's interested in what I've got to say. And she said, well, actually, there's probably a lot of women the same age as us who would be interested. And that's kind of been our experience that lots of people have said to us since we did the podcast, well, I couldn't do that. And I think, no, you can do that. If we can do it, you can do it. And that's why we're doing this episode today. We are not experts in podcasting. I'm not saying that the way that we have done this is the right way to do a podcast. In fact, it could. this episode could be called <laughs> How Not to Create a Podcast. But the reality is, by the time we finish this episode, we will have created 40 episodes from scratch of a podcast, capturing the experiences and things to think about you know in your work and life post 40 and that was our aim and so what we're going to do is just talk through how we did it if you've got any ideas that you want to turn into a podcast just to encourage you to try it too yeah and and to help you out to not make some of the mistakes that we made too and all the things that we learned along the way (laughs) and some funny bits too (laughs) well I don't think we can guarantee comedy (laughs) I mean we'll try I think something that's aiming too high. 
let's go back to the beginning. So neither of us wanted to do a podcast. Do you remember that I pitched the idea to an agent friend and she said, um, no one will pick up a nonfiction book unless you've already got social media following, which which was quite depressing. It's much easier if you're a well-known person or a journalist or a celebrity. I mean, fair enough, you've already got following and then publishers are more likely to be interested in it. So we thought, well, okay, so we need to get social media following. And that was kind of also fed into the idea of doing a podcast and sort of getting ourselves out there on social media a bit. Well, that was when the penny dropped, really, because that's when we really understood the connection between those two things, that even if the the goal was to ultimately produce a book, we had to build up a following first. And what better way to do it than to have a podcast? I mean, the first thing when someone says, well, when we agreed, okay, we're going to do a podcast, although it wasn't like really cheery, was it? I think one of us <laughs> rang the other and went, oh, you know what? I think we're going to have to do a podcast. And the other one went, yeah, I know. Yeah, I've and then come we, to the same then, conclusion. Yeah, and then we went into research mode, which for me is a, a big deep dive into the internet and reading hundreds of articles and watching videos. And then we came back together with a kind of, you know, list of things that we had to do. So we had to define how the episodes were going to work, what the aim of our podcast was a title all of those sort of marketing elements Um, but then there was also all the practicalities how would we record it I mean we just had no idea at the beginning would we and how do we publish it we need a website and we'd need social media and we kind of just hit off one bit at a time and we can talk through those bits I mean the internet can deliver you anything really in terms of information can't you you give me an hour on there and I can repressurize a boiler build a shed learn a different language, not smash the patriarchy. I'm still working on that one, but, you know, the internet is still helping me. Whereas being naturally impatient, I did probably about 30 minutes of Googling of how to edit. And I was like, okay, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) That didn't line up with my 40,000 pages of notes, Eve. (laughs) We're very lucky. We we haven't fought over who does what. Um, but I think we fought over who doesn't do what. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Let's start with deciding on the idea and the main purpose of the podcast and who the audience was. We spent a lot of time actually on that. that I think that was really important too. I do remember yeah. sitting in St. James's Park, two meters apart, and e- eating uh, fruit pastels. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> And just brainstorming, like, who who do we want to talk to? What is this podcast about? What disposition do we want to have? What is our, the main thrust? Who do we care about? And who, you know, who's our focus? You know, we just can't cover everything. So who do we not focus on? It was really important to figure those things out before we jumped into other, you know, things like the format or, you know, how this was going to work mechanically. We had to really think through the purpose of this and, you know, who we were trying to speak to. Yeah, I think that was probably the smartest thing we did actually spend time on that. And I think that actually came quite naturally out of the book that we were trying to write because we were sort of, we'd done a lot of research on that. We knew that we wanted to talk to the over 40 woman or man, if the subjects appeal as well. We knew we wanted to be really hopeful and supportive with what we created. This was to be a positive thing. And we also decided that we wanted to focus on work because that has a big 
effect on your life. And frankly, it was something that we both got a lot of experience of and we talked about a lot. And you felt that there were, after you you did a lot of research in this in the early days, didn't you, that most of the over 40 dialogue was not talking about work. You know, that was the most interesting thing is that a lot of podcasts so far have been about health, fitness, change of life, all that sort of stuff, which are all very worthy and important topics. Family and teenagers and things like that came up a lot or aging parents or just that, all of those things, but didn't quite fit our remit. And just the fact that there is more to, more to your life. God, it's weird, actually. Normally you say there's more to your life than work, but we're actually looking at it the other way, that I think in midlife, you become overwhelmed by life. And for a lot of us, our careers or our purpose are just as important and get squeezed. So that's kind of why we wanted to put this central in the um, in the podcast. Yeah. And because there was a gap in the market, too, like there just weren't enough people talking about it. Whereas we know that just about every single woman we know or every single one of our contemporaries that we know has worked either for a period of time or since they left school or since they left university. And it's really important to talk about that because I think in one of our previous episodes, we talk about we're kind of the first cohort where pretty much all our contemporaries, we are all staying in work much longer than our mothers did. So it's a really important topic to talk about. We wanted to make sure that there was a conversation. We wanted to start a conversation about this. You know, once we'd figured out those pieces, right, in terms of the purpose, the audience, and making sure that we had a really clear idea of who we wanted to talk to and what we wanted to talk about. The next problem was the name. Do you remember yeah. how much time we spent going back and forth and back and forth? And we had a completely different name for a really long time. Yeah, we did. Weren't we going for Now What? Yeah, so that was the name, which there were other podcasts called that. So that was a, mm-hmm. that was problem number one. And also what we discovered when we looked around, if you remember, was there's sort of two types of titles, you know, for podcasts. They're either punny. So, you know, they they have something funny about them or it's a nice play on words or they're very factual. You sort of have one or the other. And now what was more on the, you know, the first sort of category. But the trouble we had with it is that when we tested it on people, they were kind of like a bit lukewarm because it was undescriptive, right? They couldn't quite grasp what the podcast was about. And then it became really clear that when we, you know, then we then tested the right side of 40, people got it straight away. And people were like, oh, I would listen to that. I think that's it. It's got to say what it does on the tin. If someone's flicking through a list of podcasts, they need to know really quickly. And that would be our first advice. Even if you think your podcast title is a bit boring, I think if it tells people what's in the title, that's a really important thing. And that will that will go a long way in getting you noticed and people understand what you're trying to do. Think about your audience. Think about what you want to say, who who you're aiming it at, why you're doing it and and come up with a name, even if it's a name that you're just using while you think of a better name. I mean, I would even yeah. say go with that. I also think that I for me, I really connected when we came up with our kind of slogan line right side of 40 podcast women talking honestly about work and life post 40 and I think that was really important because whenever we had an idea or we questioned who should we talk to what should we talk about I would sort of come back to that that this this is what 
this is what we're aiming for. And I think it was really helpful having that very clear idea, particularly what, that we were focusing on work, because it really helped us in our conversations about, well, shall, shall we do an episode on this? And we'd go, mm, it doesn't quite fit in. And you know, even if we wanted to do something or if we really wanted to do it, we'd make it fit in. But then that's because we knew we really wanted to and we'd find a way to make it work. Or that there was a really reasonable angle, you know. Yeah. So, for example, we've had a couple of episodes, you know, about lifestyle. So outside of work activities, things like, yeah. you know, the pickleball episode or the cold water swimming, which yeah. have been incredibly popular episodes because it's about looking holistically, right? Yeah. So how does cold water swimming or pickleball enhance my general fitness or health or mental mm -hmm. well-being so that I am productive at work, right? So we're always Definitely. coming from that angle. I mean, the other thing we really want, we decided that we were, in terms of guests, we were only going to interview uh, women who were over 40. That was where we were starting from. Now, as we go on with the podcast, we might review that. Yeah, and it was a really good starting point because one of the other sort of philosophical choices that we made was we wanted to elevate the voices of women. You know, yeah. that was part of it is we wanted to shine a light on ordinary people doing amazing things. Changing your career or doing something new is a massive achievement in an, in an ordinary person's life. And we count ourselves as very ordinary as well. But doing a, developing a podcast has been extraordinary for us and a new experience we didn't have to go very far to find guests because around us were all these women that we knew you know started doing new things and finding different purposes in life and we wanted to hear from them so no we didn't go very far at all for our yeah. our first episodes and that's tip number two shamelessly use all your friends as guests <laughs> <laughs> shamelessly probably because everybody you know has something interesting to say I that really was the other thing we learned is that yeah everybody's got a really interesting story to tell yeah and you know the, where else you know what's the, what better place to look for people who are doing interesting things but among your friends your family people that you know at work I must say I'm very grateful to the people who you know, said they come on the podcast. But to be honest, we didn't have to persuade them. People are really happy to share their stories. And I'm so thankful that they've done that because we wanted every single one of those stories to inspire somebody else. For example, Helen's episode where we talk about her training to be a social worker. There might be somebody else out there that had always been thinking about that and listening to her description about how she retrained and the skills that she had and how she sort of adapted that into her life with her family. Yeah, they might think, well, I can do that. And the same with Gabriel becoming a doctor or Karen who set up a charity. I mean, these are all things that people might have thought about doing. And if they can just hear about the experience of another person, just an yeah. ordinary person like them, then it might inspire them. Exactly. So there's another sort of tip in there, which is we also had to decide what the format should be. So we mm -hmm. decided very early on that it would be conversational, didn't we? So, yes. you know, we're not experienced broadcasters, but we are experienced conversationalists. And <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I so, excel. I have a PhD. I believe in talking. <laughs> so, you know, we know we know our way around a conversation and we know what we want to, you know, what we want to get from the conversation. We wanted the format to sound like you're in the room with us. So that you're listening and participating in the conversation. And that's partly why our tagline is listen, enjoy and join the conversation. Yes. 
so it's really important to us that this is all part of it, right? We wanted to start a conversation. We wanted to have a conversation and then we want the conversation to be ongoing. So there's lots of other ways that you can format a podcast. We also knew that being a two-hander was really important so that we could play off each other as we did solo episodes, but then also having two people in conversation with a guest just makes it a much more interesting, free-flowing kind of experience. And that's what we wanted people to hear. Yeah, definitely. Although we did have a structure to the interviews that we've done, we would come up with a topic, find a guest, or sometimes find a guest and discuss what topic, how, you know, how we would approach that guest to talk about what they've done, have a chat with them, make some notes, come up with some questions send them the question so they have an idea but we always said didn't we that these are just guide for us and that we'll com- we'll just let the conversation go where it takes us and i must admit i think well personally from my side i was so glad to have those questions because i was terrified of not having something to say and i was also terrified of veering off the questions in case it just all went horribly wrong but as we went <laughs> on with the episodes I started to feel more confident about letting the conversation just go its own way and used to feel excited about what we might discover. But I think that came with just getting used to it and feeling confident. But certainly in the beginning, if we didn't, if we missed out one of the questions, I was internally going, oh, my God, we haven't asked them about this. The whole episode's going to be a disaster. (laughs) Obviously, I did that deep inside quietly and not hopefully not, you know. Whereas I was busily ticking off the questions that we had answered, (laughs) just to make sure. (laughs) And that's everything you need to know about our personalities. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I also really was conscious that I didn't, I wanted the person to enjoy the conversation and to feel that it represented their story. And, And I felt like they'd given us a gift with their story and it was very precious and we had to treat it with great kindness. This is, this is something that we want everybody to be proud of. I mean, let's talk about the format. So originally we had the idea of a kind of magazine format, didn't we? And we were going to do a bit on a topic, an interview, and then have a kind of slightly vaguely lighthearted bit, which was essentially our socially awkward questions. And, you know, we had this idea about putting all this together, but that required a lot of editing and formatting and and actually when we looked at other podcasts because we did do a lot of research and listen to lots of other podcasts and actually the podcast format is is much more fluid than that and we realized really that we could do what we want and I would say that the difference between a podcast and a traditional what I would call radio format is that you can do whatever you like. And that's the beauty of it, right? It's so <laughs> liberating yeah. that it can be as long as you want it to be or you need it to be or it can be as short as you need it to be. It can be in whatever format that you want it to be in. It can have the music you want or not or it, it is incredibly liberating. And this is what's so amazing as well about podcasts is that the barrier to entry is so low that you can produce a podcast for a very small niche audience or a very broad audience, as long as the topic speaks to your audience. And that is incredible. And the restrictions of the format for, say, radio or traditional broadcast, they just don't apply in the same way. It's it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. 
essentially, you can do what you like and the podcast police are not coming for you. Because so far, <laughs> we've not had a visit. We've got short episodes, long episodes. I mean, we, we thought we had we couldn't do different lands. And then your teens, didn't they? They said, oh, there, there's such a thing called a podcast short. And we were like, oh, great. So we can do like... What is that? <laughs> what is that? More deep dive into the internet. Yeah. So instead of trying to put all the different elements that we wanted to talk about into a kind of structured magazine format, we just decided that we'll just have separate episodes. So some would be on a topic. We've done some on career conundrums where people ask questions about their career and we and we try and answer them with our best agony aunt heads on. We wanted to interview people about new things that they'd done, new careers or activities that they'd started post 40 and how and how that what effects that had had on them. And we put that into a format called trying something new. And also we had a whole section on socially awkward questions where we wanted to just touch on those kind of more lighthearted elements about working life and those awkward things that we all talk about. And then we thought just record them as little snippets. So really you can consume it in any way that you want. But yes, it doesn't fall into a sort of traditional radio format. And we have since, we've learned a bit more about formatting and that if you want to aim for that audience, you should consider having all your episodes the same length, have a very, very clear format about what you're going to do. You could have a wider reach. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about recording. Yeah, recording. Recording. That's well, a whole other kettle of fish. Oh, so from my God. Yeah. <laughs> I came to your house. We sat in one of your teenagers' bedrooms with a microphone on a cushion and the curtains closed because they were doing building work outside to muffle the sound. And we recorded. And I don't know what it went into. It went into your laptop. But all I remember from those first recordings was terror and a big microphone in my face. <laughs> well, actually, and also having to sit on top of each other because there was no room and we had to get really close to the microphone. There was also a moment where we couldn't work out where the microphone was being picked up and you had to have your head in the cupboard yes. um, testing the new microphone. <laughs> so the first thing you need is a computer. That is always a good start. It's a good start, isn't it? What did you have on your computer, Eve? Well, so... You know, from an equipment standpoint, obviously, computer, laptop, something like that, headphones, if you're going to record, or a nice microphone, and then some kind of recording software. So when we were recording online, I started with OBS Studio, which is actually a stream recording software, which actually records your screen. So uh, when you're not as techy as you should be, and you don't have a teenager on hand, uh, you can make some really basic mistakes using software like that. Because what I ended up doing is we recorded a whole episode where we, you know, we were really pleased with ourselves. It was a great recording. And when I played the recording back, it only recorded one side of the conversation. Which side was it? It was my side. So what happened was there were long silences and me going, ha, 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 ha. That's really funny, Caroline. And then long silence. And then me going, yep. And then another long silence. We should publish that. And people could put their own version of what I said in the gaps. 
So that was heartbreaking. And we had to redo that episode when you actually came to visit. So with that mishap under our belt, uh, and the reason I'd gone with that, it was because I didn't have a Google account. And so I didn't have a paid for service that could record uh, record the meeting, record the video and the sound. So that was when we'd had that OBS uh, disaster, it became very clear that that was the solution, which was to go to a reliable recording. And I used my professional account to then record Google Meets. And we've actually had no technical problems since we've done that. Although we've had spotty internet, you know, having to repeat things and glitches and that sort of stuff. But generally, it really hasn't been a problem. And we also recorded a couple where we were in the same location using our big microphone and the other person was online. But one of the things we found was that the sound levels were different and it's much better if you're either all physically together or you're all online. And obviously, since the pandemic, people have been become much more adept at doing a virtual call. But then we only use the sound, don't we? Yeah, exactly. So once the recording is done, I take the video file, I put it through an MP4 to MP3 converter, which you can get free. There's lots of them around. And then I just use the MP3 file to edit. If this is all making you feel a bit ill, do an internet deep dive and look look up some of these things there. And there are different ways to do it. But honestly, our technical ability is it's got a lot better, but we started from a pretty low position of expertise. But I will say that although this is the way we do it and it works really well because it means that even I are in different locations, we're both at home and our guests can be in another part of the country, which has really helped us. We've been able to reach out to different people. And we've and recorded with people from Canada, you know. All yeah, the place, we so. did. You know, it's very straightforward and that's been our preferred way. But, you know, if all of that feels too much, there are also popping up in every town. There are podcast studios and we did consider that, didn't we? I did some research in my sort of locality and found that a lot of business spaces have opened up where people can do hot desking and as part of those they offer podcast facilities and they will help you record it and give you the file from it or help you with editing there were some near you as well weren't they yeah there are and as you say they're popping up all over the place and and for us the consideration was both technical and financials you know because the whole thing this entire project we've done on a shoestring it's really just you and I doing all the jobs and doing it you know the least amount of cost that we possibly can um so paying for podcast editing support or podcast facilities just was outside of our reach but it doesn't mean that it is out of everybody's reach. And it could be a very good investment, yeah. you know, to make sure that the sound is perfect. You know, our sound is not perfect. No, um, it's not bad, but it's not perfect. We've um, And we've accepted that, haven't we? That was the other thing. Because we, in our research, we listen to a lot of podcasts and some of them, the sound is appalling, but they still put it out there. And we thought, well, without better facilities and technical support we're not going to be able to get perfect sound and we have a kind of level that we'll accept won't we and you do a lot of jiggery pokery which we'll come on to in cleaning up the sound and you've you know learnt ways of doing that but if that if you feel that is beyond you and you can have some budget behind you you can you know find people to help you and I don't think they're they're not all the ones I looked at, particularly the studios. They're not that 
expensive but what you've got to do is be clear about what you're going to record when you're there so that you make most of the studio time I mean the other thing is to find a student who is studying this as part of their media degree or something like that you might know people who will be prepared to give it a go and have more sound experience but that's that's one of the biggest things we've had to learn isn't it yeah absolutely and I'm you know I have access to two teenagers which helps enormously but it, and they're interested also... in media as well aren't and they? they are yeah 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 so it was helpful I think which that's where it helpful. kind of naturally fell towards you didn't it because you you had a technical support team <laughs> yes I have home IT but even then it, it was really interesting that you know there's even with lots of free tools. So for example, you know, editing, I use Audacity, which is free. Um, it's a really powerful tool. It can do all kinds of things. Using Google Meet to record, you know, even OBS Studio, if I had been able to master it, you know, it has, it's a really powerful free tool. There's just lots of knobs to twiddle and buttons to push, which if you, you know, are good at that sort of thing, you can get an amazing result. I'm just, I'm just not that experienced and for me it's a lot harder to sort of understand what to do and I've realized I'm very cautious you know I just want the sound to be as close to this the last episode sound as much as I can I mean I I can't profess to doing that perfectly but I, I definitely give it a try so once we've recorded the episode you download the audio file notice how I'm speaking really slowly here because I still don't understand it. And I'm waiting for Eve to interrupt me. <laughs> so, you know, you're going to need some elements. So you'll need some music. So intro music. You'll need incidental music. You'll need intros and outros. So, you know, you've got to figure out all the different sort of components for each of the different episodes. Hang on, hang on. What is an intro and what is an outro? Ah, good question. I'm glad you asked. Um, <laughs> well, it, it trips off the tongue for us now, but we didn't know, did we? It's true. It's true. So, it, you know, some episodes we have an intro. So for socially awkward questions, for example, you know, we have a little intro that just, you know, that we stick at the front of every episode to explain what these little short episodes are about. And then, you know, we had to, I had to go research all kinds of sound effects as part of that intro. Um, there are websites out there where people are happy to share their sound effects for free. Um, we'll put that in the resources page for anyone who wants to look that up. So you have to think of all these different elements. So an intro is basically just what it sounds like, which is a little introduction to what you're about to hear, but it's standard and it's, and it's pre-recorded. So it's always the same at the front of every of those episodes. You don't have to do that do you? We look to other podcasts and they all, as a standard, have an intro and an outro, which is for the end of the recording, which says, hope you've enjoyed this episode, find us at blah, 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 social media, etc. But I want to know this, are all our outros the same? Uh, yes. Much, aren't they? Yes, I think all the outros are the same. Yeah, and you could put a lot into an outro. Your social media contacts, your website. We'll come onto the website in a bit. What you want people to do, you can promote other episodes. And it is your opportunity to put lots and lots of stuff in. But at the end of the day, it's a podcast. You don't have to do any of that. You could start every single episode with, hello, you know, it's Tuesday and we're going to talk about this. But that's the kind of one key bit of formatting 
that we did, didn't we? Yeah. And then the music, right? So luckily, I happen to be married to a musician who very kindly composed our music for us. Um, Yeah, it's original music. And and then luckily, I also have a teen who then mixed the music for us and got the levels right and everything. So, you know, it's all those pieces. So again, shamelessly using our friends and family for support and creative output. But, you know, those are the pieces. So you and then I cut pieces from our standard intro intro and outro music for little incidental pieces as well so i always use the same little incidental two or three seconds of music when there's like a change of subject so to indicate that the subject is changing or that we're going in a different direction so that the conversation doesn't feel um, uncomfortable or awkward it's really just the music then gives you the signal as to what's happening next so those are the sort of elements that you need to think about eve are you are you sort of betraying the fact that sometimes we go off topic and we don't want to lose a bit, so we stick a bit of music in so it doesn't sound stupid? No, it's like sometimes <laughs> we change the subject. We're like, okay, next. Oh, okay, okay. I thought we were confessing. But, <laughs> but yeah, because otherwise it would sound a bit weird because the, the reality is we edit and we edit out a lot. We say a lot of stupid things and we fluff things up and... Since we recorded the podcast, I've become much more attuned to listening to other people's podcasts and noticing where there's a slight disconnect. And you can, and I think, oh, I think something was cut out there. But yeah, you can cut things out and um, anything you don't like, anything you think doesn't work, people waffling, people coughing, people hoovering outside the door, dogs barking, <laughs> doorbells ringing. ringing. Yeah, we have a lot of those. Children asking things. Yeah, I mean, we've had so many disturbances while we're recording. So yeah. there's a lot to do. But in terms of music, we're really lucky that we got our own commissioned music. But you could just go and get free music couldn't you if you wanted a little bit of music at the beginning yeah and just a word to the wise if you are going to go get free music just double check the terms and conditions for the use of that music just make sure that you're compliant with what the request is so sometimes there is a request for a nominal fee or there's a request that you credit the original artist or that this music is not for use on a commercial podcast of of any kind. So if there's any chance that you're going to earn revenue from the podcast, for example, then if it's copyright music and they don't want it used for a commercial purpose, you want to make sure that you respect those terms and conditions. That's my legal ease. I know. I was really <laughs> impressed with that. <laughs> I think so. um, just talking about recording again, top tip, wear headphones and a proper mic because yes. we... I mean, we have really learned a hard lesson from this. Just invest in a set of headphones with a mic and try to insist that your guests wear headphones as well because it cuts down on background noise, keeps the sound levels the same. I mean, sometimes we've been so grateful for our guests to speak to us. We've been quite relaxed about it, but it does mean that Eve's had to spend hours and hours sorting sound out sometimes. Yeah, that's been a really hard lesson part of the editing process is, you know, you have to listen to the episode, you know, the raw conversation several times before it becomes really clear what to cut. But then on top of that, so, you know, the process is, is you listen to the, to the conversation a a number of times until you feel confident. And by the time I'm done the entire process, I've pretty much memorized the entire conversation. So I know roughly when everything happens and what everybody talks about. 
So, you know, you do the first pass, you you figure out roughly where things need to go, what the flow of the conversation needs to be, and then you can start cutting. You also cut out, we, you know, we try to cut out lots of verbal tics like, um, you know, like, but we oh. have to leave some of them in. I know there's so many. Oh, um, this was this was terrible when we first started. I mean, let's talk about that. I mean, first of all, you have to accept the sound of your own voice which was real. I mean, I really went to a dark place. The funniest bit was when <laughs> Eve said to me after being friends for 30 years, she said, oh, I never noticed you had a northern accent. I'm like, what? <laughs> you just sounded English to me. <laughs> well, I, I suppose, well, I am, but <laughs> you never listened to my voice that carefully. But um yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm doing it now. I'm going. Yeah. Mm, uh, I mean, we we even put a sign up, didn't we, on the wall to say, "Do not say, you know." Um. Oh, I, yeah, the yeah. sign didn't really help. No, it didn't <laughs> help at all. It just put more pressure on us. But yeah. we did discover that in natural conversation, and actually, I've come I've come to terms with it now. If you take them out too much, it doesn't sound like natural conversation. I do feel that anybody listening to this is going, oh, my God, I can't do all of that. And you to really be honest, can. you can, but you also don't have to. I mean, you can just leave it yeah. as a really natural conversation with all the gaps and all the ums and all the you knows. It doesn't matter. I mean, that's the great thing about the podcast format. Don't feel under pressure. We're telling you what we did, but you don't have to. I mean, these yeah. things will improve it, but you don't have to. Yeah. And it's, it's not hard. Like I've learned to do this, you know, in the space of a year and actually, again, using a tool like Audacity, which is a free editing tool, makes it really, really easy that someone like me who knows nothing about sound editing can do it. And these are just things that I've learned along the way in terms of how to reduce the length of the episodes, but also at the same time, try and keep them sounding like a natural conversation. So yeah, so just the last bit about editing is that, you know, just listen to it enough until you're satisfied. And I feel lucky that there's two of us that I can do a long edit. I can suggest things that I think probably still need to come out. I get you to listen to it just to make sure that, you know, my gut instincts are right. Whereas I think if it was just a one person show, I think it's a lot harder. It's a lot more pressure to sort of make all those editing choices yourself. Yeah, so I, I really appreciate that there's two of us. Yeah. So once Eve's done a long version, she sends it to me. And I'll listen to it a couple of times as well. And I will sit down and literally write, delete time code to this time code, capture the words at the beginning and the end and go through the entire episode like that. And then presuming she agrees with all my edits, we'll go through and do another version, cutting stuff out. And again, we have got better at this as we've gone on. We've got and we've got more brutal as well. Yeah. And we're getting precious. faster. Yeah, and we're getting faster. I mean, yeah. we did one episode where I had no edits. Do you remember? It was a miracle. I know. You said I had to sit down. I was glad I was sitting down when you actually sent me that. I was like, what? <laughs> no edits? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, sometimes yeah. the magic happens. But yeah, we've definitely got better at it. But again, if you can't face it, get help. Or yeah. just put it up as it is. So let's talk about the other side of that. So all the other pieces that have to come together. So building an episode is only, you know, a part of the picture. There's the whole marketing side of, you know, how do we present that to the world? How do we talk about it? Talk us through what, you, what your process is for that. Well, I mean, I think before we even get on to 
promoting it, the first thing we had to do was have a home for the episodes. People need to find it, don't they? So we knew that we wanted to go on to all of the podcast platforms. So we looked at what were the most popular ones, Spotify, Amazon, Apple, Google. Yeah. And there are instructions on their websites about how to do this. Am I right, Eve? Is that you yeah, do? there are. And it, and it was interesting doing that research. And, and thankfully, you had some insight into that, you know, that there was different ways that you could post yourself. But actually, it was your husband who said, actually, you should really just go on to a platform called Acast, which is a hosting platform that all the other podcast platforms subscribe to. And that has made things so much easier. Whereas if I had to post the episode to each of the platforms myself, I might have cried more often than I have. <laughs> but you could just say, I just want it on Spotify. And then True. just post it direct to Spotify and just be happy with that. Because let's face it, they are the market leader at the moment, I would say, uh, with along with Apple. So you can post to them individually, but instead a cast which does a couple of things for us, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a great platform. So being a hosting platform, you know, it's very simple. It's very easy to use. I mean, it took me a while. You know, there was there was definitely some gnashing of teeth. But once I'd sort of figured it out, you know, did some uh, YouTube videos. There's a YouTube video for everything as to, you know, how to do it. You set up a show, then you create the episodes. And the UI is pretty easy, pretty intuitive. You upload a picture, you upload the audio file, you fill in some metadata fields, and then you can either schedule it to be posted or you can just publish it yourself when you're ready. So it is actually very straightforward. It has analytics and all sorts of stuff. The beauty of having a hosted platform is that it creates the RSS feed for you and it shares, as long as you press all the right buttons, it shares the RSS feed to all the other podcast platform. So every time you add a new episode, you don't need to do anything. Acast does all the work. It just sends the new episode to the new platform. Then once they're posted, people start listening to it. You can get analytics on all of these. So what I mean by analytics is it will tell you how many episodes were downloaded today and on what platform and in what country and how many, you know, how many people have listened to a particular episode so far. I am absolutely obsessed with them. I find it fascinating. Um, it gives you all sorts of graphs. You can look per day, per week, per month or over time. And it gives us a really good idea about which episodes are popular. But it's also given us a real insight into we thought that you have to post weekly, you have to keep momentum up. And that is very, very good for marketing. But what we have learned is that people, a lot of people who listen to podcasts, listen to a lot of podcasts. And so they don't necessarily listen at the same time you're posting it. Um, they might have a few podcasts stacked up to listen to. So when you're looking at the numbers that have been listened to, it could be one that you've published today, but it could also be one that's published a few weeks ago. I mean, you don't have to get too hung up on it, but we're just tracking them over the time. It's just been interesting seeing how that sort of audience reacts to them. But you can definitely see when you publish an episode, your little line on the graph goes up and it's very exciting. Very satisfying. Uh, it's very yes. satisfying. Now, the other thing we've learned about podcasts is that we're aiming this at people post 40 and we are probably the worst audience to aim this at because a lot of people, we discovered a lot of our friends did not know what a podcast was or how to listen to a podcast. And because of that, 
we've tried to make it as simple as possible and we have put all the episodes on our website. So if you go to our website, you can just click on the episode there and listen to it on whatever you, however you're accessing the website, whether it's on your phone or, you know, your computer or whatever, your laptop, your tablet, um, however you're doing it, you can find the episode there, which leads us on quite nicely, I think, to the website. Yes, let's talk about that. So we had to find something where we could produce a really simple website. I mean, again, I would, if this is not your thing, just find somebody to do it for you. There'll be a friend or a child, you know, an eight-year-old child could probably build a website better than we did. Yeah. But the thing to say about websites, though, is really important to what you said earlier, which is you don't have to have a website. You can just publish your podcast to the podcast platforms. But we wanted one partly as a platform, as you said, and partly as a marketing vehicle because it yeah. was really important to us. And also we wanted to write blogs as well and put and have a place where we could put resources because in, in every episode, a lot of our guests and ourselves talk about articles that we've read or stats that we've uncovered or, you know, or just the details of the person that we're interviewing and you know what their information is and so that we can point listeners to that so we really felt we needed one one of the most important things um at the very beginning is if you decide that you're going to have a website or that you need a website buy the url quickly oh don't God. sit around and uh, go to to a website uh like godaddy.com and make sure that you purchase the website url that you want otherwise you will be disappointed you know, when we went to go look at the URL, the right side of 40.com was gone. And yeah. actually, I was listening to a couple of other podcasts and realized that it, it was now common practice for people to use the name of their podcast pod.com. And I discovered that the right side of 40pod.com was not taken. So snatched it up, yeah. you know, yeah. and it's, it's a great name, actually, because it tells you this is a podcast. And that's, <laughs> and that's very useful to us. And you found Wix. Tell us about Wix. Yeah, so Wix is another uh, very good, simple website for your average person like us. We did have to pay for a plan because the free because Wix is free, but up to a point. So for what we wanted it to do and the features that we wanted, um, we do pay a small amount every month for it. So it's not free, but it's not that expensive either. But anyway, so the plan that we have, I paid extra so that we could have, I think it's unlimited marketing sends for emails as well so that we could publish from the website to people who have subscribed to the website. So, you know, we've got a slightly better than free plan and it's not that expensive and it's it's worth every penny in terms of, you know, that uh, it does everything that we need it to do right now. Yeah, I mean, the email plan is really important because that was the one thing I picked up from previous research I've done on marketing is that email newsletters are really powerful and if you can get people to subscribe you can get information about new episodes or blog posts or just resources you want to point people to you know quickly and directly so on every social media post you'll see from us and on our website it'll say please subscribe and you always hear that don't you the whole like and subscribe it's so that people like they can get people signed up so they can get content to them really really quickly so we wanted to do that as well but the website I mean you did the first version of the website didn't you 
Yeah. And again, I'm not a graphic designer. I'm not, I mean, I've been around graphic designers most of my career. So I sort of understand the elements. I understand the pieces that you need. You know, you need copy blocks and you need images and, you know, all the different basics around how a website works. So it was a really good first experiment in setting up, you know, just to see what it would look like, what the pages we needed and how it would work. And then, of course, you took over with your graphic design eye. <laughs> trashed my version and started again i feel i developed it rather than trashed it but well while eve was playing with the first version i was starting to build our kind of visual brand so i knew that we needed a few things we needed to have a logo so i created a, a logo again looked at what other podcasts were doing i knew i wanted something simple with some strong colors. The two things I I started with was purple and white and that was because they were the two of the three colors of the suffragette flag. I experimented with different colors and came up with this kind of blue. I don't know how it's you like describe it. Kind of. Like a teal, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's a just... very strong visual identity. It's great. Yeah, and I think I would I would really recommend that you spend some time just thinking or getting someone to help you with that. Start with a logo in your tagline, basically. And I haven't done anything complicated with fonts. I've kept them quite simple. I looked at what other people were doing on social media posts, the kind of styles, the sort of colors, you know, very much what, what works now. And then started building on that, basically, just creating a look. We've got like a little wave. I noticed lots of people use the, the, the wave that indicates sound and that runs across our logo. And we've just gone for a really, really simple look. And Eve is brilliant at choosing images. And so she'd already chosen lots of really, really good graphic images for the website. I mean, we basically went for a homepage that says this is what we're doing. We've got episodes We've got the blog, we've got resources where we point people to things we talk and we've got a contact form. To be honest, you can put all those things on one long scrolling page, but I wouldn't recommend that. Now, the other thing that's really important to know about a website or a page is I can tell you from our stats on the website, more than 70% of people go to our website on their phone. You've got to make it work on mobile. Yeah, that is a top tip absolute top tip and as we go on it will be less and less people that will be looking at things on a desktop or yeah. a laptop you know in that format and one of the things we should mention is that you know those kinds of websites like wix they have limitations they don't have the rich features that you get on places like spotify so there is a disadvantage to listening to the episodes from a website because you don't have you know um it won't remember where you were in the episode it will start from the beginning but there are advantages too because then you go to the whole website you can see blogs other material and whatnot but just from a listening perspective we understand that people will probably most people do go to their preferred podcast platform to listen to it because they have these other features so talk to us a bit more about all the other marketing materials that you prepare. So, you know, it's not just the website. So once we've got the website up and rolling, there's still yeah. plenty of marketing to be done. You know, you yeah. create graphics. Yeah. Talk to us a bit about that. Yeah. So to create the graphics, I've used a tool called Canva. And this is essentially a free to use online design tool. And it is really easy. Now, I mean, it's very, it's easy for me to say when I have a background in creating graphics. I'll be honest with you, I haven't done it 
for years, you know, but it is a sort of skill I've had to dig deep into. So I've had to learn how to use these things. But what I um, discovered about Canva, and I had used it before this project, what I really liked about it was because it has so many templates. You can, it, you know, you can literally select, I want to create an A4 poster and you can search for, you know, templates that are a particular type of template, like uh, for a show or something. And it will give you lots of different template styles and you can use them and you can adapt them. You can change the text, you can delete the text, you can take out some of the images on that. And that's the other thing. It has a huge image bank so you can create any kind of design elements using all the free stuff they've got on there and in the in the same way though that Eve's talk, talked about Wix not having all the features I have found um, I found pretty quickly that I needed to get the sort of design pro version so I pay I think it's £10.50 a month you know it's a kind of rolling thing you can cancel it whenever you like and then just come straight back to it and it, it keeps all of the projects that you've created all the little design elements will be there and you can just use it as a free tool and then you can say no I want the I want the pro stuff and the pro one gives you just better quality images photographs graphics different templates you can create a design and then you can click a thing say convert this to an Instagram design and um, it'll do all the dimensions for you it'll change it to the right shape for Instagram the right shape for Facebook you know, headers for LinkedIn, anything. You can change it with all these. I mean, obviously, you'd have to do some work on it because you have to shift things around. But once you've got a sense of it, you can, you know, just create any of these graphics for any of these platforms. I think it's brilliant. You know, I've used a lot of tools. I think it's really, really simple. Again, there's probably a thousand YouTube videos telling you how to do it, even if you just use the templates. The first thing I did was look up templates for podcasts and look at how they were structured and started from there and getting ideas from there and then take those templates adapted them build it up and muck around and then essentially I've kind of designed a look for all of our social media posts but it's enough of a flexible look so that for every episode I can put a different photo in of a guest or subject matter about what we're talking about and I can adapt it for that it gives every episode a visual identity so you've got this consistency of our logo clearly what the episode says and we try and keep our episode titles very simple not and too descriptive. long and descriptive yeah. definitely because we've mucked, we've mucked around haven't we with some sort of whimsical titles and then we always go back to our usp it needs to be descriptive and understandable people need to know exactly you know so that they can click on it and and find out more and so, yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot to do. And then similarly with the visual style. So for every every time we do a post, it goes on to we've set up accounts with Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Spoutable. That's a new one for the graphics. You can, as I said before, each one of them has a different format. I have completely ignored all of that. Because we started out feeling that Instagram was going to be our audience, I made everything into the square of Instagram. And I just use the same format across all platforms because otherwise I have to create lots and lots of different shape graphics. And it's too much work. It's hard. And it works fine. 
yeah so it's been it's been a lot of fun a lot of work, like everything like with the editing and everything you know it's, it's a lot of work doing all of these things but that's because we've done 40 episodes in a year and we're crazy yeah. so you've created graphics for every single episode and every social post you've also written all the text as well there's some work to be done there as well again it's about i spent a long time in the beginning creating a format so creating our taglines about as we mentioned before right side of 40 podcast women talking honestly about work and life post 40 look to all the elements that you should have repeated about subscribing about joining the conversation getting a link to our website and our episodes page and having a lot of fun with hashtags if you look carefully at our hashtags you can tell how stressful a day i've had because they get more and more ridiculous <laughs> the thing about hashtags in theory you put the right hashtags in you get millions of followers and people picking it up i don't know but i'm still, still following in progress it's a work in progress however you need to make sure that you've got some consistent hashtags with everything you post so we always say right side of 40 pod midlife Women supporting women, never too late. Those are our sort of standard ones. And then when we're talking about the menopause, obviously we put hashtag menopause, hashtag, I don't know, it's too hot in here, whatever, hashtag powered by HRT. Um, and for other episodes, different ones. So it's, you know, the whole marketing thing has been, it's been a real light with everything. It's been a, a learning curve. I mean, what we have discovered is that Facebook is very good for getting comment on things in terms of building up a community seems a lot easier um yeah. we're both scared of twitter aren't we we know we have to be on twitter or x as it's now called we felt that we should for the sake of marketing momentum because we're working from ground zero up that it is better to be constantly posting and just try to keep that marketing momentum up because just trying to beat the algorithms of social media where actually you don't always see the posts in order and you might miss stuff and just trying to get it under people's noses. The other thing you can do as a marketing tip, you can pay on Facebook and Instagram to boost posts. So this will send a post out to a group of people that you don't know and it will come up as a kind of sponsored post. You know, you see those in your feed and you can select, you know, I would select things like, targeting women over 40 and I will say that you definitely the more fine-tuned you can be the better engagement that you'll get I mean you can see how many people have engaged with your post which is people liking it or clicking on a link that kind of thing and it all gets measured and you can see how that does I mean it starts from as little as like 14 pounds or something you can boost a post and you'd be amazed at how much it will do for you but whether that will turn into podcast listens I don't know I think you would have to do it on every single post and you'd have to put a budget aside for marketing but that's a simple way that you can do it yourself and try and reach people because the hardest thing is going to be you know reaching people I yeah, would say. that is the biggest challenge is it, building an audience yeah and I think really you either have to have some good connections you need some PR help or you just have to accept that actually you might have quite a small audience and you might have to grow it quietly over the years. There's no magic solution to it, really. You just or you just get really lucky and you just yeah. have a great concept that people pick up on. But 
you know, you've really have got to do a lot of marketing and social media and just everything and a lots of stuff that we don't have time to do. Again, it's just a work in progress. A little bit. Yeah. I think the moral of the story is that you got to experiment and try stuff and put some, you know, put stuff out on platforms and see what happens, see if it nothing happens, but just play around with it. And then eventually settle on the right platforms for your right social media platforms for your podcast. So for example, we always publish on LinkedIn because our podcast is about work. Um, and so and that we, is we get a good response, don't we? And yeah. particularly from our guests, if they are using LinkedIn a lot as well, they'll share and that really helps us. I mean, that's something to think about. Always ask your guests to share the posts. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So from a marketing standpoint, those are really important top tips, which is, you know, find the right platforms, experiment and then get your guests to share. And then hopefully it will amplify. But, you know, we're working on it. The more we've talked about this, you know, the more I I feel really proud that we've created 40 episodes in the space of 12 months. I mean, there was lots of prep work, a good year, 18 oh, yeah, months before. Yeah. But we've created 40 episodes on top of having jobs, running families, you know, doing all the things that we need to do. And we did treat it like a job, didn't we? You know, that yeah. we... we're very serious. We might not seem it, but we're very serious people <laughs> when, it comes to, when it comes to work ethic. And um, and we want it to be right. You know, yeah. we, we have an know. audience to, to, you know, that we oh. have. But we've had some lovely feedback, really unexpectedly lovely feedback. And to have some feedback about the episodes has been really good. I mean, sometimes it would be helpful to not have it directly from one's closest relatives the minute an episode <laughs> is gone live, like to give us time, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, joking aside, feedback is actually one of the elements of, of doing a podcast or of doing any kind of broadcasting is you need a constant feedback loop to understand what the audience is engaging with, to understand what topics they're interested in, so that we are definitely going after the right stories that people want to hear or going after the angle that people want to, you know, want to learn or understand about. You've got some feedback from a couple of people in terms of how it's it's changed their perspective. We had some unexpected feedback from women under 40 in their late 30s. Yeah, a, a number of women had said, have said to us, they find the, what we're talking about is, is really kind of heartwarming and they, they sort of feel, they feel okay heading towards their forties and they feel reassured, which is amazing. Yeah, that it's okay on the other side. And we've had men. Haven't we? Yeah. I have some ex-colleagues who I used to work with who've been in touch to say that they listen to every episode and they really enjoy it. And they found it to be really illuminating, which is great because, again, you know, our, our main topic is about women over 40, but it doesn't mean that it, other people can't relate to it. And it's really great to hear that some men do relate to it. And our husbands obviously listen to it religiously every week. <laughs> and give us unsolicited feedback. <laughs> really good, actually, I will say. Very supportive. Supportive, yes. Yeah. We had a tremendous response to episode 27, Becoming a Dr. Gabriel's Way, where we interviewed Dr. Gabriel Gascoigne about how she always wanted to be a doctor, but she didn't give up and went to medical school at 46. And has had a fantastic career as a doctor. And I got in touch with Gabriel to tell her how popular her episode was. And amongst 
the various feedback she gave me, how supportive and positive people had been about it. I'm sure she won't mind if I just quote her um, in an email she sent to me. This is an incident that happened to her when she was at work. She said, one of the carers support team at work came running down the corridor of the inpatient unit the other day looking for me. She said, oh, my word, your interview was just so inspiring. I have sent it to all of my friends saying it's not too late. It's never too late. I mean, that I think just gives me shivers. I love it. Exactly. That is that is what we want to hear. For me, that's that takes us right back to the beginning as to what our mission was and our original purpose, which was to tell these stories to help women in the second part of their career see the good bits and see where there are advantages, where there are options they might not have considered, that it's not it's not bad to be on the right side of 40. There are lots of good things happening and there are lots of good things that can happen. And, you know, you're not fixed or stuck. There's flexibility, there's options because other women, very ordinary people are doing all these amazing things to, you know, to make this second half of their career interesting, different, whatever they want. So that's how we made this podcast. Hopefully, in all of that long rambling story that we've just told you, there are some nuggets that you could use so that you could make your own podcast if you so wish. There are lots of ways to do it. I think the main thing we've learned is don't be afraid. You can do it and you might get some listeners or nobody might listen to it. But if you do make a podcast inspired by us, please tell us. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, let us know about it. We also want to hear what you've been up to since turning 40. Get in touch on our website, rightsideof40pod.com. Follow us on Twitter at RightSide40, Instagram at RightSideOf40Pod, and Facebook at the Right Side of 40 Podcast. All content is arranged by Eve and Caroline. And a big thank you to Terry and V. Neal for writing, performing, and mixing the original music.